Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I am your co-host, Ken Hellenius, sitting in the studios at the University of Notre Dame and sitting across from me in his studio at home in beautiful Portland, Oregon, is the man who taught Def Leppard drummer Tony Kenning all of his sweet, sweet one-armed moves, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Hello, Deacon. (laughs) How you doing, Ken? I am well. You know, it's actually pretty incredible. And I think actually inspirational that he is still able to play. I know, you know, the way that he does with one arm. I know, you know, it's, uh, it's really. I I think it's an inspiration to many people who are disabled uh, and those of us who are not. To just to see the strength of the human spirit and the uh, creativity, right, uh, of human beings. You know, uh, how does he sound like he's playing with two arms when he only has one? You know, and just and be able to continue with the gift that God's given them. Yeah. You know, it's it's really a wonderful, wonderful thing. Beautiful to see the art. I mean, okay, I grew up Def Leppard, you know, their Pyromania album. I mean, all that. that yeah, classic oh, yeah. Stuff. I've often wondered if the guy ever actually got the sugar poured on him, you know, that he requested in the song. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and so I think of this band as being, you know, a monster band of the 80s, you know, and yeah. they're still out there. They're still touring on occasion. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's fantastic. Yep. So bang up That's job right. teaching him all those sweet moves, Deacon. Yeah. <laughs> Happy to help. Happy to help. That's right. Your contribution. Well, how have oh, you been, friend? Boy. Uh yeah, doing well. You know, July has been a slow month uh for me. You know, went the, the pilgrimage to uh, France with Father Chris Alar, which was amazing. You know, I've been the I've been to France before, but not to the extent uh that we did this time. It was just uh, we started in the north in Paris and worked our way all the way down to Toulouse. So we covered most of the country and just uh, some amazing shrines and amazing saints. It, you know, whenever I, I do things like this, it, it just reinvigorates my Catholic faith, you know, and just how awesome our church is and, and how t- you look at over time and how the churches uh, change and, and seeing the church lived out in other countries and, you know, the, the faith of the saints is just just really tremendously inspirational. France has the nickname as of the eldest daughter of the church. And of course, France, the nation has had quite the interesting history of relationship with the church. You know, of course, oh, yeah, after, yeah. The, after the revolution, you know, the church was basically outlawed and yep. everything in the church was destroyed. I mean, the great history of the church, the great abbeys, you know, that gave rise to so much of the faith, especially in the Benedictine tradition and in the Trappist tradition. I mean, they were destroyed and torn apart, you know, piece by piece. And yet there is a core of faithfulness among, especially in the countryside in, in France, uh, maybe not so much in the in the cities, you know, the, the intellectuals and things like that. But certainly uh, the faithful people of France are alive and well and want to want to practice their faith. I know, especially last month in June, there was a wonderful, there's an annual pilgrimage to Chartres uh, that, uh, that is this wonderful gathering of hundreds, if not thousands, of young people and 
priests and religious who walk across the countryside together to make a pilgrimage to Chartres, the great Gothic cathedral. That when when you think of Gothic mm-hmm. cathedrals, you're probably actually actually picturing Chartres and the great rose window. You may, of course, be picturing you know Notre Dame of Paris, which tragically is still being rebuilt, and who knows how that project is going to end. But there is a core of faith in France, and. Uh, even in spite of man's efforts to overthrow the church and to destroy the faith, the Holy Spirit continues to inspire. That is so true. I just uh, just love it. And uh, when, when's the next time you're going to be able to do anything on pilgrimage or? That's a good uh, question. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to uh, make any promises that don't get fulfilled. But uh, we are working on planning a pilgrimage for our students to Rome and Assisi uh, for fall break. You know, the last trip we did get to take students to the Holy Land uh, for spring break this past year, and we'd love to uh, return to Italy. I love going to Italy, and I've been to Assisi two or three times now, and I think it's a it's a beautiful place to reconnect with, with of course Saint Francis and that great tradition, the Franciscan tradition. Rome, of course, is the threshold of the apostles. You know, being able to gather and pray in the places where Peter and Paul prayed is a great gift. And and so I hope to be able to uh, go to Italy in the fall. But right now, nothing else on the calendar until you and I get the get our own uh, pilgrimage uh, gathered here, Deacon. We got. We work really on should do that. Ken. I think it would be marvelous. You know, fine. I mean, obviously, we won't have a shortage of priests. We really should seriously sit down and, and plan that. By gum, that, let's I mean, do seriously, that. that I, I mean, I think we get a with our listeners and, and you know, I think we get a lot of people that want to want to come with us. I think that'd be a lot of fun. You know, here's a, an idea I'm going to throw out there. We have a Facebook group. You can find us at Living Stones Media on Facebook. Log on if you're on Facebook, connect with us, join that page and Tell us what sort of pilgrimage would you be interested in? If Deacon Harold and and Ken, that's me, uh, if we were to go on pilgrimage together, where would you like to see us go? Um, because we would love to organize something, but we have to see if, if there's a demand. That would be fantastic yeah. to pray together, to have an opportunity to share the faith, to to break bread together. You know, all these aspects of the faith that make it so joyful and make it an authentic Catholic incarnational experience. We want to do this together. So tell us where you'd like to go. Go to Facebook, Living Stones Media, and uh, and let's get a thread started and see what what ideas bubble to the top, and we'll try to make it happen. That's a great idea. It'd be fun. That's a great idea. Well, absolutely. So this has been the Catholic Pilgrimage Show. We're glad you joined us here on Living Stones. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, that would be so fun. I would love that. Let's make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, for the past few weeks, Deacon, we've been chatting about the third person of the Blessed Trinity. You know, we talked about the Holy Spirit inspires faith, inspires the faith of the people of France and inspires each of us. You you and I have both been touched by the Holy Spirit, as has everyone who has received the sacraments. It is the Holy Spirit that has inspired us, that has actually given us the grace to desire 
to know God more fully. And so uh, that's what we've been chatting about is who is the Holy Spirit and how does the Holy Spirit work in our lives? And so last week when we left off, we were talking about encountering the Holy Spirit in the Sacrament of Confirmation and uh, a little bit about where we see the Holy Spirit working. Uh, We looked at the event of Pentecost. We looked at, of course, the anointing of King David by the prophet Samuel, and then we looked at at Pentecost. And so that's where we're going to pick up our conversation tonight is how does the Holy Spirit reveal himself to us. So that's where you get to take it away, Deacon. All right. Well, you know, just like it takes time to get to know your friends, right? Or deeply, personally, intimately, it takes time to get to know the Holy Spirit, you know? Um, And the only way you can get to really know God is through prayer and, and embracing silence and entering into prayer. Just like you get to know someone, you enter into a dialogue with them. Yeah. You start off with the very basics. What's your name? you know, some cursory things about that person. And then, you know, once your interest is peaked, then you go deeper, right? Then you go deeper. I think it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. You know, God first reveals himself to us in the book of Genesis, right? Right. In Genesis chapter one, God, the father speaks the word through the spirit and everything comes into being in existence. And we also see that God breathed into our nostrils, the breath of life. And that word for breath is ruach, the breath of God's light, the spirit into us. Genesis 2, we see that God formed man of dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so that means we have the, the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit in us right now, in us and through us right now. So does that inform how we live? You know, does that inform how we think, how we act, knowing that we have God's spirit in us. You know, I mean, these are things that we should sometimes just take a a few minutes uh, every day to think about and ponder about, you know, I, I have God's presence. I have God's life in me. You know, um, what, what does that mean? How do I, uh, into how I live, how I interact with my brothers and sisters, you know, how I, how I treat the person who's standing in front of me, you know, and I think the deeper we cooperate with the Holy spirit, the more deeply we love Christ the more we're able to see Christ in others and live the Christian faith ourselves. Again, not just pay lip service to it, but to truly to live it. And now this is something that's not just for followers of Christ. In Romans chapter one and Romans chapter two, St. Paul is talking to obviously Romans who are either pagans or they worship, you know, the pantheon of gods. Mm-hmm. But he says in Romans 119, for what can be known about God is plain to them. Okay, because God has shown it to them. Ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature, namely his eternal power and deity, has been clearly perceived in the things that have been made. Right? So, for example, can you walk into a museum and you see all those incredible works of art and sculptures and all those things? But, you know, you don't see the artist that created them. You don't see the architects that built the actual museum, but it exists. So, so, you know, somebody had to create it. Yeah. There are effects there (laughs) that I can see. Exactly. The same thing with the universe and in the stars and the sun and everything. We didn't see who created it, but there had to be someone behind it that, you know, that, that was the, the genesis of all this. And this is what St. Paul is talking about. Yeah. And then he talks about Romans 2, 14, when Gentiles who have not the law, meaning the the law of Christ and following the commandments because they're pagans, do by nature 
what the law requires. That means the natural moral law that's implanted in every single person that's placed there by God. And the, again, the primary principle is do good and avoid evil. Mm-hmm. So St. Paul is saying when they cooperate with that natural moral law, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that what the law requires is written on their hearts. Yep. You see, so we can come to know God and the Holy Spirit, even without necessarily starting off by being Christians. This is the idea that uh, we can know that there is, as you said, we can know that there is an architect, that there is a builder, or in this case, there is an eternal God. We can know it by reason, by simply reflecting. But one thing that we don't know is, in your example, we don't know anything about the internal life of that architect. We don't know anything about the person who built this museum or who sculpted this piece of art that I'm looking at. We know that he exists, but we don't know anything about him himself. And this is where, then, divine revelation is necessary. The author of life, the creator of the world, we can know exists, but we can only know about him if he tells us about himself. This is divine revelation. And this is supernatural, you might say, because naturally I can know. But what anything above that or beyond that requires supernatural intervention. And that is, let me guess, I don't want to jump the gun here or spoiler alert, folks, but that is where the Holy Spirit comes in, right? Oh, exactly. Exactly. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. You know, so we we can't. The things we have to think, uh, we talked about this last time, Ken, about this as a relationship. That's the key. It's a relationship. It's not that, you know, God working in us and through us is about a relationship of intimacy and love and communion. You know, and, and I, we cannot emphasize that enough. It's not about the theory of the Holy Spirit or how the Holy Spirit works, you know, circumcision, divine paracresis, all these fancy theological terms. We're not talking about that. We're talking about how God works in my life so that I can become the person who God created me to be and then witness to the power of that love to others. That's the key to the whole thing. And that's what I hope is the big takeaway that people have had so far in our discussions about the Holy Spirit and continue to have as we continue to move through the series on the Holy Spirit. It it has to be about deepening intimacy with God. That's the key to everything. Yeah. You know, it's funny because, of course, a couple of weeks ago, we had Trinity Sunday, just as we started talking about this, right? Trinity Sunday, in which so many priests are a little afraid to preach about Trinity Sunday because they're like, well, I don't want to preach heresy. But if you focus instead on the relationship of, of God as love, and love can only be directed toward the other, and that sharing of love is a relationship with the other, that enough is to tell me that reveals something itself about the Trinity, right? God reveals that he is love. John affirms this, you know, in his letter, he says, God is love. And when we love, we are like God. We are drawn into this love. That, that's enough to preach about the Trinity and, and to reflect upon and to pray with and to thank God for, for the rest of our lives. You don't have to use all the big fancy, you know, $2 words like you were talking about, Deacon. But those words also help reveal something too, 
but it's enough to know God is relationship, and it's a relationship of total self-gift. Yeah, exactly. And this counteracts the selfishness of the culture. Right. You know, and, and what's best for me and the, the God of me, myself, and I that so much of the culture worships. You know, uh, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you feel. I don't care what you believe. It's all about me. And that's not the mind or the heart of God. That's not because, again, that the, the fullness of that revelation is revealed in Jesus Christ. So if we if we follow the teachings of Jesus Christ, we're following the mind of God. Right. right? And, and the right. Holy Spirit helps us to understand that what we're hearing is true and good and beautiful. You know, and uh, again, that's the key. It's 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 not that we're saying everything in the culture should be rejected, you know. But we, we, again, we have to discern, you know, uh, so we don't make the things in the culture gods, right? Right. We don't make the things in the culture gods. Everything that God has given us in the culture helps us to direct our lives toward our ultimate end, which is life with God forever. And that's what the Holy Spirit helps us to do, you know, and. Uh, I think God does this in revealing himself and, and uh, by different signs and symbols because we're human beings, yeah. you know? So, so we, and what I love about God is he uh, works with all of our senses, hearing, taste, touch, sight, smell, you know, and in the scriptures, we see this, for example, uh, the Holy God reveals himself in the Holy spirit through fire. Right. right. And, and fire like the tongues of fire that came upon the apostles, of the Blessed Virgin Mary at Pentecost. You know, it was fire. A fire is a symbol of light and energy and purification. Right. So the Holy Spirit is the bright light of God's truth in a world filled with the darkness of sin. And Jesus talks about this. He goes, you know, I am the light of the world and I came to bring the light. But people have chosen the darkness. Right. You know, and not embrace the light, you know, so so this fire of the Holy Spirit illumines and, and gives light to our hearts and gives us the courage and the grace to follow Christ, even in the midst of adversity. I mean, this is the fire that burned in the hearts of so many of the martyrs who died rather than deny Jesus because they were following the light, even though they were surrounded by darkness. It's the same fire that we hear the apostles on the road to Emmaus talk about when when they are walking along with Jesus, and yet he's hidden from them, but they're walking along, he's opening the scriptures to them, and then he reveals himself in the breaking of the bread, and then he disappears. And what do these two apostles or these disciples tell one another? Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? Their hearts were burning. And that's not just from indigestion. This is because they were so excited to learn about Christ. Their hearts were being enlightened, quite literally, by this burning flame of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, of course, is the same Spirit that inspired the Scriptures. So as the Scriptures are being opened, their hearts are on fire with the Holy Spirit. And that's what should be happening to us at Mass, Ken. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, one of the things I think that would really help to enter more deeply into the Holy Spirit at Mass is when we sit down and the lector gets up to proclaim the word. As we're listening to the lector, let's let's listen to what, what is God saying to me in the Holy Spirit? What is God saying to me in and through this word that's being proclaimed right now? 
You know, I'm, it's something that we should, we talk about relationship. It should we let's make the readings personal. Yes. How is God speaking to my life and my heart and my situation and my circumstances and to my needs right now in the book of Amos, in the book of Exodus, in First Samuel? You know, whatever the reading is, how is God speaking to me? Yes. How is God making His will and His life and His love known to me? right now. That's, I think, key to our hearts then burning because we've, we we said, wait a minute, God is speaking to me right now. And our hearts, which is the place where God's love for us resides, responds to the truth that it's hearing and then emboldens us to live courageously, you know, the faith that we've been given as a gift. Absolutely. You know, gosh, I'm, I'm reminded as you're describing this, uh, just a few weeks ago um, at Daily Mass, the reading was from the second book of Kings, and it was the description of Elijah and Elisha and um, the handing over as, as Elijah was taken up into heaven and Elisha received this double portion of the spirit. You know, he said, give give the spirit as you're leaving, give the spirit that you have received, pass it on to me as, as prophet. And uh Elijah said, well, that's very hard, but, you know, if if you see me taken up, then know that it's happening. And, of course, as they're continuing to converse, it said, as they walked on, a flaming chariot and flaming horses came between them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Of course, we know this, you know, through the great spiritual swing low, sweet chariot coming forward to carry me home. But that flaming chariot represents both the spirit of the Lord that inspired the prophet Elijah and the spirit of the Lord that also gives the word to us and sends the word into our hearts and then sends us, sets us on fire for the truth of God's spirit, the truth of the gospel. And that's the same spirit that we receive a portion of in our confirmation. Oh, absolutely. You know, like for me, what what gets my heart burning? You know, and often I have that experience when I'm praying the Psalms. Yeah, I've, I've prayed the Psalms now for 40 years. I mean, I never get tired of the Psalms. Yeah. You know, you think, oh my goodness, I do the same. I pray every day for 40 years these Psalms. I mean, God, I must get boring. No, yeah. because every stage of my life, you know, I, I'm a different person now than when I was a teenager or when I was in my 30s. I'm in a different place in my relation with God. I'm in a different place in my marriage. I'm in a different place with my diaconal ministry, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and, and so the Psalms speak to where you are in your life right now. And it allows you to look back and reflect upon how far you've come in your journey of faith. So when I read, for example, Psalm 63, like, oh God, you are my God. At dawn, I, and I'm reading the um, the revised Grail translation, which is the ones that we're going to start that we've started using at mass and actually a little more faithful to the Hebrew on the flip side, it does lose a little bit of its sweetness. Sure. Um, from, from the previous translation. Some of that is you've but, also oh, prayed it for 40 years the other way too. You know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Your yeah. mind gets used to, it gets to a, into a cadence, of course. but Oh God, you are my God at dawn. I seek you for you. My soul is thirsting for you. My flesh is pining like a dry weary land without water. You know, so you see that that desert and the desert is thirsting. Yeah. And when that rain comes, it just soaks that rain into it. It's thirsting. It's longing. And that's what our hearts are doing. I've come before you in the sanctuary to behold your strength and your glory. So there in the sanctuary, both at the holy sacrifice of the mass during the consecration, there's his strength and his glory. Right. Yeah. Um, 
your loving mercy is better than life. And, and right when I get to that, I just got to stop. I'm like, oh, or it's, the old translation said, your love is better than life. But they translate hesed here hesed. as mercy. Yeah. Loving which mercy. I mean, mercy loving and love. Because yeah. I mean, yeah. hesed means uh, self-sacrificing love, which is also can be translated as mercy. But so your loving mercy is better than life. It's better than life. That I said, hold on, hold on. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> hold up. It's, it's better than life. I mean, so I just have to stop and just rest in that word. You know, God's love and God's mercy is better than life. Wow. You know, and I just have to, okay, what, what does that mean? I think back to the martyrs, you know, uh, I think back to the sacrifice of my mom, all those nights she went to work and all those nights of overtime she worked and all those things she did to sacrifice so that we could have opportunities that she never had. You know, it just gives me pause and to think about the depth of God's love working in my life, you know, how it has worked in my life over time. I mean, we should take those moments and just savor them, just like a great wine or a juicy steak or something. Just savor it and just rest in that moment and allow God to work in our hearts so that they do burn with, with his love. You know, it's just, it's awesome. Amen. Yeah. And then fire also purifies, you know, the, the, the final image of fire is purification. You know, like when you mine gold or silver or some kind of precious ore, you have to, you usually, you see this in the movies and, and, and on documentaries, they have to heat it up. Right. So it becomes almost yellow hot or white hot. And cause that allows the impurities that are within that precious metal to rise to the top. And then they, then they skim it off. Right. It removes the impurities. And so, because the, the more pure that precious metal is, the more valuable it is. Well, that's how the Holy Spirit works in us, especially in the sacrament of reconciliation. Right. You know, we go into that confessional. It, it's, it's like, you know, we're confessing our sins and that those impurities are rising to the top. And in the sacrament of reconciliation, in the power of the Holy Spirit, God is skimming those impurities <laughs> off the top so that we become pure again. So we walk out of that confessional. Our hearts are, are once again pure and pure. and and so the more we live in holiness and purity of heart the more open we become to god's love and to his will in our lives every day amen well deacon there's no more we can say right now primarily because we're out of time but still what a fantastic <laughs> reflection and my hearts are on my heart is on fire right now i don't have multiple hearts i'm not a worm worms have five hearts but uh no this is what a fantastic reflection on just one image of the Holy Spirit, fire. When we come back next week, we're going to look at other ways that the Holy Spirit is made known to us, some of the images in which we know the Holy Spirit. But uh, until we do come together again, we uh, invite you to connect with us, as we mentioned, on Facebook at Living Stones Media. And you can download previous episodes of the show at materdeiradio.com. But until we gather next week, Deacon, might we have a little blessing in the Holy Spirit? Sure, may Almighty God bless you and keep you the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. 
That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com.